Hey everyone. Welcome Aaron to episode 30. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi Kenza. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So for those of you listening, it's been a little while. I think it's been about a year since I released an episode. So we're going to make this one a good one. To introduce Aaron, he is a third year medical student at the University of New Mexico School of Medicine. He went to college also at the University of New Mexico and majored in biology with a minor in chemistry and double majored in Spanish. We're going to be talking today about his residency plans, why he took a repeat year, and any advice he has to offer for those listening in. Welcome, Aaron. Are you ready to get started with my five questions? Yeah, let's get started. All right. So the first question, just go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell our viewers where you're, who you are and where you're from and everything about you that you want to share. All right. Well, my name is Aaron Trillo. I am a first-generation Mexican-American, and I grew up in rural New Mexico. I grew up on a sheep farm, so uh, that's a little bit different than a lot of what my classmates have been. I'm not a big city person, and I kind of just want to go back to the... I, I think a lot about going back to the farm now that I've gone so, <laughs> so far into med school, um, but hopefully I can go back once all is said and done and I'm done with all this. Yeah, I hope so. Are you thinking of like kind of staying in that area to practice later on? Oh, that's a tough question because going to going back to your small town is kind of like a weird, uh, like you don't really want to go back. But I think because, um, spoiler alert, I'm going to do family medicine. I think it'd be really cool to go back into my community. Uh, but that is to be determined still. We'll see. Yeah, whatever makes you happy, you know, where you live plays a big role in that. Mm -hmm. All right. So our next question for you is, um, I know you put a video out on YouTube, I think last year now about scoring well on USMLE step one. So I wanted to ask you, what's one resource that you think helped you the most in scoring in the top percentile on step one? Oh, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't say the top, top percentile, but I did surpass my goal score, uh, which is pretty high. I set the bar high um, for myself just because I had some mishaps in medical school that I felt like I needed to make up for. And one resource I think is kind of hard, but now that step one is pass fail, uh, I'm kind of scared for some students that might uh, think that it's going to be easy to pass step one. And for me, it would be Anki. Uh, I, it's a tough one to just pick one. I would say Anki and UWorld, but I mostly attribute it to Anki, honestly, to scoring well on step one. Uh, I don't think I, you know, communicated very well on YouTube how much time and effort I actually put into Anki. I put some videos out that I did Anki daily for two years, but I actually did it for two years. And I don't think people understand the amount of discipline and time that took. And I was able to mature the full like onking deck about a month before dedicated for step one. And it was really painful. And what sucks about it is that after getting my score, I was like, that's it. Like nothing really, it was so anticlimactic, honestly. I didn't feel the amount of joy I think I should have. Um, but the number one resource I would say is Anki and then supplement that with UWorld. A lot of people say that step one is like, you have to learn to apply what you learn. Like it's not just fact learning, but I felt that 
doing the whole Anki deck, I was able to answer so many questions that I didn't 100% know, but I just knew so many associations that I got a lot of them right just by knowing facts. So it was kind of a crutch, but it kind of worked out. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. So just a few follow-up questions. Uh, so for viewers who don't know what Anki is, do you mind explaining a little bit about what, what that is? Yeah, so Anki is a space repetition downloadable program. Uh, and basically, you can make your own flashcards. I downloaded the decks off of Reddit, used off of the Anki Med website. I think they have a pretty big, robust website now. But you can get these decks pre-made. And basically it flips it. There's different kinds of cards, but it's like a flashcard um, in digital form. And it really puts them into bins, whether you know it, whether you don't, uh, or whether you know it really well. And that's kind of, it's a space repetition algorithm that worked really well for me. Awesome. And what does it mean to mature a, um, a deck, I guess? Yeah, so maturing a card means I don't exactly know how the algorithm decides whether you know a card or not, but maturing basically means that you know the card so well that if you see it down the line in two, three months, you should be able to know it again. Uh, uh, you can, the original Anki settings lets you like keep adding more and more months to the cards. I capped mine at three months. Mm -hmm. So I was seeing even at the latest, I was seeing my cards at three months. And I would know it again. And I guess the algorithm just decides that, you know, it. so I don't exactly know what mature means just means, you know, it whenever you see it again. That makes sense. Um, so I think what's really important about why Anki worked for you is because of what you said, you did it every single day for two years. And that took a lot of discipline that honestly, just a lot of people don't have, I don't have it. Um, I used Onking as well and I completed the deck, but I did not do it every day. And I think that's where I messed up, but I learned from it that like, I'm not that person. Cause even if I were to try doing that again, it's not something I can consistently do every day. So yeah. how did you like do that? How did you discipline yourself to do cards every single day? And how many hours did it take you a day? Yeah, so um, quick follow-up, I am no longer that person. I cannot do Anki like I did preclinical years. Um, I think the discipline came more of like a motivation of kind of fear, which is not a really good motivation, um, just because I felt that I had a score well on step one. Mm -hmm. But my time commitment to Anki, it would range heavily on how focused I was. So it would range from one to three-ish hours, I would say daily. Um, and then it, the way I kind of did it was at the beginning of a week, um, like during medical school of a block, I would go through every single lecture that our lectures put up, you know, for the week that we were gonna see. And I would go activate cards on Anki by keyword. And I would front load my Anki cards like the very first day. So I would do that Sunday night. And Monday, I would just power through them until I finished them. So that was like my three hours plus like the press reviews. And then, you know, as the as the week went by that I was doing the same cards, some would get spread out like two days, three days, four days, depending on how well I knew it. So by the end of the week, it was a lot lighter. But the initial like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was really rough. But I was able to start scoring well for the Friday quiz. That's kind of how I structured it. Some people, you know, do like a certain amount of new cards every day. 
uh, at the max, I think I did like over 1600 new cards in a day, which it worked for me. I don't really suggest it. It's not really how you're supposed to use Anki, but it's just how I started using Anki and I felt like it was working for me week by week. And that's kind of how I did it. So like 1600 uh, new cards in the, at the beginning of the week for like, that's why Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were tough. And then it became lighter. Yeah, exactly. As it would spread out, it would just like thin out kind of. So wow. that's, that's kind of how I did it. And it kind of worked out. Uh, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Um, that's for sure. But yeah, the discipline thing, I think it was really hard. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but I did have to repeat a year in medical school. And I felt like that's kind of where a lot of the motivation came that I felt like I needed to score well on step one because I had this mishap in medical school and I just wanted to make up for it. Yeah, no. So why, why do you think it was like anticlimactic? Oh, I, you know, I think it was anticlimactic because one, I did Anki every single day for two years and, you know, I worked my butt off so much during dedicating, you know, I was doing Anki, doing almost so many practice questions and like at the end of the day, that amount of effort just felt like that's like, that's it. That's all I got from this was a score to prove that I can learn a lot of stuff and, you know, like apply it in this early step stage. I don't know. It just feels, I'm still, I still have mixed feelings on why I don't want to say it doesn't matter because I haven't matched or anything yet, but it kind of, kind of feels like that kind of like in the long, long run. I think that once I match into residency, uh, that's when I'll be like, wow, that, that was kind of pointless, but we'll see. <laughs> Aaron, I don't think it was pointless. <laughs> I think you worked really hard and you got a score that shows you worked really hard. And honestly, a lot of residencies, now you took it before it was pass fail. So there are certain specialties where like you need that number to even consider it, you know? Yeah. For example, if you were to go into orthopedic surgery or dermatology or some of the, like ENT, some of those really competitive, competitive specialties, then unfortunately, like you need that statistic to kind of back you up, plus Absolutely. the passion and all the extracurriculars and all the research. So I think in that case, it's important. But I also really appreciate your perspective of like, it's just a test um, coming from someone who performed well, because I think a lot of us, a lot of people say it's just a test when like they didn't do get their goal score to kind of feel better about it and move on from it. And like 10 years down the line, it's not going to matter at all. I totally agree with you. So I appreciate, you know, your perspective on it. Yeah, I kind of want to add a little bit more now you bring up those surgical specialties. So after getting my score, um, I started getting, you know, some uh, advice or just talks from like mentors or certain people that maybe I should pursue a surgical specialty just because I got the step score, you know, and like you can apply to those things. And that kind of messed me up a little bit because I initially wanted to do peds when I started medical school and that changed. But then once I did change into family medicine and these people were telling me to like, you shouldn't waste the potential or whatever, it kind of felt like it just kind of feels bad that people uh, have that kind of advice. Like, I don't want to do something I hate for the rest of my life. Uh, and basing like that decision off of one score just feels like the wrong thing. So yeah, um, I'm happy I wasn't swayed, uh, but I definitely was in the back of my mind. Definitely when I was going through my surgery rotation, like, should I be doing this? Uh, and ultimately I decided no, 
but I just wanted to share that you shouldn't get into those pressures if you know they come up for you guys or whatever yeah no thank you for sharing that and great job being you know like mature enough to not be swayed and like you you clearly believe in who you are and you stick to who you are and I I, I like that about you um we met I met a surgeon over the weekend actually who I guess didn't you know listen to maybe his gut feeling um so he went surgery and I learned that he hates his job and he hates his surgeon. And it was so weird to hear that because like people usually don't say that about their jobs in the medical field. Like I've never heard a doctor say they hate being a doctor. I've never heard a surgeon say they hate being a surgeon. So I was like, what? (laughs) But clearly like he didn't do what he was passionate about. He chose something that now he kind of resents um, because it's really, it's busy hours. So if you're going to do something that requires so much of your time and effort, you should really like it. (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, you should. That sounds so awful. I feel so bad for them. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, it's okay. He probably has enough money to get out of it if you really yeah, want. Yeah, he should get out of it. <laughs> All right. So I know we talked about this next question a little bit already, but what are some lessons you learned from your repeat year? And what advice could you give to others that are going through a similar situation? I personally know so many people going through that situation as well. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people can benefit from what you have to say. Yeah. Oh man, uh, that was the toughest. That was so tough. Not the the repeat year was so tough mentally. Uh, when I was going through like the same blocks, luckily my school kind of changed the curriculum uh, for like that repeat year of mine. So it wasn't exactly the same, uh, but still like I, I knew a lot of the information already and mentally being in these classes and required things that you, you know, if you don't show up, you, you're out or whatever. Uh, that was the toughest part. And ultimately what kind of kept me going was like, no, I do want to be a doctor. You know, this, the, like, there's like certain moments in medical school that you really think like, should I be here? Like, what the heck am I doing? Um, and this was absolutely one of them. And I just don't see myself doing anything else. I truly don't. Um, so that's why I think when you see a lot of people uh, talk about don't go in it for the money or the prestige or anything, Uh, This is exactly why, because it's so hard. And, you know, I'm really glad I shared my story because at the end of every single semester, I get a one, two, three, four Instagram messages like, help, this is happening to me. And I have been able to like talk to these students, you know, I reach out back to them through Instagram. And, you know, like when that was the first year, like they're already like second year, some are first years now again, like they just finished their first year, their second year, third year now. Uh, with me and they all were like so thankful that I shared my story just to feel like they weren't alone yeah and going through it I realized that yes it like Kinza you're saying a lot this happens actually a lot and it's not really transparent and I think just by like sharing and the biggest lesson I learned was like reach out to the support system some medical schools have good support systems some don't but reach out to your support networks your social networks Um, just for that like motivation and help like vent vent with them Uh, for me it was definitely my family and my fiance and they just like kept me going you know when I told them I had to repeat the year they didn't like put me down or anything the Mm -hmm. first thing that uh, I remember my fiance asked me she's like so what are you gonna do and I told I was like well I'm, I'm gonna repeat the year and she's just like okay and that was it like no other questions asked 
and you just need people like that on your side of the ring um and that's kind of kind of how I how I made it through I guess that's awesome I'm glad that you have a good support system and for those listening that's really important to have and I hope that I hope that you are either creating your support system and working towards that or you already have it because yeah I've I've leaned on my support system like so many times like at least once a month because <laughs> school is hard and like you go through hard things. And I think what you've shared is are important tips for people who are also going through other things. Like maybe they failed an exam and they have to retake that exam. I have a couple of friends who have to retake their board exams. Um, and that can be a really big stressor going through your med school journey. Other yeah. people maybe didn't match this year and like kind of totally random in a lottery system. It's not because you were a bad student um, or that you're going to be a bad doctor that a program didn't want you. It's truly just a lottery system and you didn't win it that year. So people who didn't match are going through it now and they need to lean on their support systems. So there are just so many different steps in this journey where, where you need your people. Absolutely. You definitely need good coping mechanisms. (laughs) Yeah. Good coping mechanisms. Uh, My coping, I didn't really have very good coping mechanism. I think that's kind of when I lost myself into like the Anki and study really hard. Um, My fiance is actually, um, she was actually not here just because of her work. So I feel like that kind of helped me get through. Um, I just like really doubled down on really unhealthy studying uh, but I made it through on the <laughs> other side, uh, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I think that's so funny. We all go through unhealthy phases of this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Next question. I am excited to hear that you decided family medicine. How did you decide? And especially going from peds to family med, how'd you make that switch? All right. I chose the best specialty family medicine. Um, uh, <laughs> so- <laughs> It's really interesting, actually. So I want to be a pediatrician coming into medical school. Uh, I was a veterinary technician before coming to medical school. And I feel like, you know, the dogs, cats, animals can really talk to you. So I kind of related that to humans. And I thought I was really going to enjoy it. But during my second rotation, which was OBGYN, I absolutely loved delivering babies and taking care of women um, and being parts of C-sections. And that's kind of when, like, the light bulb went off a little bit. Like if I do family medicine, I can do peds and deliver babies and take care of women um, and, you know, take care of others as well. So I knew I couldn't be an OBGYN just because uh, certain, certain aspects of like gyne clinic, I really did not enjoy. And I was like, I don't want to be doing this every single day when I'm not doing like the OB part. So that's what made me decide not to do OB. And that's why I was like, I'll do family medicine. That's kind of when I started thinking of it. I did peas and I absolutely loved it because I knew I would. And then I had my family medicine right afterwards. And that's when I was like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Like you kind of find your people, you know, uh, going to clinic. I was hanging out with them. I was taking care of like prenatal visits and kids and adolescents and like, you know, geriatrics and just regular adults. And it was nice. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I got a few continuity like patients where like my plan of doing something actually turned into an outcome that I got to see like four weeks into my rotation later. That felt really good. Um, And that's kind of when I was like, I think I'm going to do family medicine. 
And then right afterwards, I had a surgery. And as I told you guys, you know, I was keeping an open mind just because of what I had been swayed by. And I didn't find myself that I had to be in the OR at all to be happy, um, which is kind of surprising. I thought I was really going to enjoy surgery more than I did because I loved surgery when I was a vet technician and I loved C-sections, but just like other surgeries just didn't really uh, call to me. Mm -hmm. The one specialty in surgery that I actually almost got convinced to pursue was urology. Uh, I had an attending that was absolutely amazing. Uh, and he was from New Mexico. He went and did a lot of training. And I had some of the awesome, some of the best times of my life with him in the OR. Uh, but ultimately, it's, it's not what I wanted to do. Uh, but that was one thing I did highly consider. Um, but still, family medicine is where I, where I got to be. That's awesome. I think you chose the right field for like all the different interests that you have. Mm-hmm. And good reflection on how um, you had a really good attending for urology, but you still could like discern whether it was your passion or not. Sometimes we like if we have a really good teacher or, you know, a really good mentor, we kind of want to follow in their footsteps because they make it seem so exciting and fun and interesting. They're <laughs> so passionate about it. My internal medicine preceptor was amazing and super passionate about I am. So I actually had more fun on my I am rotation than I currently am. I still love my psychiatry rotation and I want to do <laughs> psychiatry, but it's just like a lot more, um, there just aren't providers. Like not much is going on. <laughs> I'm in a rural area where we don't have enough patients. So, oh, um, I, I was thinking, I was like, should I do internal medicine or does she just make blood pressure management fun. And I think it was just the latter. So <laughs> your resident and attendees is absolutely might make or break your rotations. Um, yeah. and also like, do you want to model that behavior going forward? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, going into our last question, what's one piece of advice that changed your life that you would like to share with everyone today? Oh, um, biggest piece of advice so I think that repeat year of medical school taught me so much about um I wouldn't say like uh just like for myself the biggest thing that I guess I changed that year was to cut people off that do not support you or are there for you um and that includes family um for me that was a a big like uh like light bulb moment where I needed to cut out a lot of the naysayers because medical school is really freaking hard and you can't have people that are not rooting for you. Um, And I guess that's just my biggest advice, you know, hold the people that root for you close um, and let, let them help you when you need help. And that's honestly the biggest lesson I learned and something I'm just going to take forward from now on. And yeah, um, that's kind of what kind of changed my life over the last three years, honestly. That's awesome. That's good advice. Thank you, Aaron, for sharing. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Aaron's story and all the great advice that he had to give about many different things in med school. If you guys have any questions, um, Aaron, and want to reach out to Aaron, definitely, Aaron, go ahead and share your Instagram or your, he has a YouTube channel. So go ahead and share your social media with everyone. Yeah, so you guys can find me on YouTube, just Aaron Trio. That's my name on it. So I'll pop up right up. 
Uh, my Instagram is a little bit harder to find. It's Aaron underscore El underscore Mas underscore Cabron. Um, and that's just uh, a name that I used to call myself when I was little. Uh, and I just kind of kept it going. And it might um, not be PG-13, depending on uh, how Hispanic you are. Uh, and just like taboo around certain words. But that's where you guys can find me. You guys can reach out. Uh, if you guys need help, I'm happy to help any way I can. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me, Kenza. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast, make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes released whenever I have time, honestly. <laughs> also, if you've learned one little thing from the show, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. It means a lot to me and I read them all. See you guys in the next one. Bye.